0: Theft under the Theft Act 1968 is a tribal either way offence and as such can be heard at the Magistrates or Crown Court. The maximum sentence is seven years imprisonment at the Crown Court or six months imprisonment and or a fine or both at the Magistrates' Court. The definition is as follows. A person is guilty of theft if he dishonestly appropriates property belonging to another with the intention of permanently depriving the other of it, and thief and steal shall be construed accordingly. Well that's a bit of a mouthful, so what we are going to do is look at each section so that we have a good and full understanding of what each element actually means. It may be a lot more involved than you think. Let's look at each part a person is guilty of theft if you will that's strange we have gone from a person to he in less than a sentence, however this does not mean that females can legitimately commit theft, this is simply a product of the era this legislation was written. You will see this in other legislation where the suspect is referred to as a male, where it actually refers to men and women alike. It then goes on to say dishonestly, what is your understanding of dishonesty? Most people will give slightly different responses. Do you think that a homeless man stealing food from Tesco dishonest? Do you think a multinational company using tax avoidance tactics dishonest? I will leave that with you to consider. This is why there is a whole section set aside to the dishonesty element of the offense. Then appropriation, what exactly does that mean? If I borrowed a friend's season ticket to watch a match that they could not attend, is this appropriation? If I take a handful of blackberries from a hedge is that appropriation? Now, the biggie, property. What is property? Is a piece of land at the end of your garden you have acquired by moving your fence, property? Is six months of electricity you have acquired as a result of by passing the meter, property? You can't see electricity so how can it be property? belonging to another. Well this area is a bit of a minefield at times. It obviously covers the owner as we know it. For example I ride my bike to the station. While at work a local youth removes the lock and makes off with my very nice bike. Obviously in that case I am the owner. However due to the theft of the bike I decide to take my car to the station the next day. I don't pay for parking and my car is clamped and removed to a nearby compound. I know I am having a bit of a bad time. However under the cover of darkness I go into the yard and drive away my car. Am I the only owner at that point? Well we will discuss that later on. Then with the intention to permanently deprive, well this is simple if we take two bottles of white lightning from Tesco and drink them on the 76 bus home. However what if that youth took my bike in order to get home to his sick mother and intended to return it to the train station in the morning? We will explore that later on too. Well that's where the definition normally stops if you speak to experienced police officers, however the last part of the definition is very important if you are going on to study other offences under the theft act. There will be references to stealing and or thief. When you hear these terms they have the same meaning. For a number of the other offences reference is made to suspect stealing. So without the act of theft under this section, none of the other offences can be present. So let's look at dishonesty in greater detail, so that we know what the law means. Well the stated case on this changed in 2017, and unusually has made the process more straightforward for the prosecution. The test of dishonesty is as follows. Whether what was done was dishonest according to the ordinary standards of reasonable and honest people. Therefore if the jury at the Crown Court or members of the bench at Magistrates Court believe the act is dishonest, that will be sufficient. There are situations however where a person may have a defence to dishonesty. They believe that they have a right in law to the property either on behalf of themselves or another. So an example of this might be a builder taking materials off-site, when the customer has paid for the materials however, has not paid for the builder's labour. Or a pizza delivery driver keeping customer payments in lieu of wages he has not received. Another defence could be where the suspect believed that if the owner knew of the incident and the circumstances they would have consented. An example could be me taking my neighbor's car to transport my pregnant wife to the hospital as she is in labor. If we were good neighbors who knew each other well, this could be a reasonable defense. However if I didn't really know my neighbor or we were actively hostile to each other, the defense would be less likely to stand up. Or the final defense is that the owner cannot be found by taking reasonable steps. So you are walking through Liverpool Street Station at rush hour, and while fighting your way to the escalators, you find a £20 note on the ground. You would not be able by reasonable steps to find the loser. Therefore you can happily spend the money in a nearby café or wherever you pleased. However if the £20 note was in a wallet containing identification of the owner, such as a driving licence, you would need to pass the item to the police or other authority in order to reunite the property to its rightful owner. If you fail to do so your actions would be dishonest. An interesting point is that the act can still be dishonest even if I am willing to pay. An example of this might be. I am preparing a breakfast at home however I have forgotten to buy eggs. I therefore leave my home with the intention of popping to the shops. As I leave I notice that the lady next door has had eggs delivered with her milk. I don't know my neighbour but decide to eat her eggs and replace them later on once I have visited the shop. This is dishonest as I did not know my neighbor's views, and the fact I was willing to pay makes no difference. If we think about it logically, this would offer a defence to anyone accused of theft simply, by repaying or replacing the item. So what is appropriation? This is best described as an assumption by the person of the rights of the owner. Basically treating the property as their own. The item does not even need to be taken, swapping price labels in a shop has been deemed appropriation. There doesn't need to be a gain made by the suspect for appropriation to take place. An interesting point is one that I guess many people may have fallen foul of, is the time of appropriation. What I mean is, a shoplifter enters the store with the intent to steal 20 packs of razor blades. He enters the store, selects the items and leaves making no attempt to pay. Easy. However Susan enters the store, selects items and pays at the till. When she gets back to her car, she discovers that the checkout operator has only charged her for one bottle of prosecco when she has four. At this point, Susan could consider that she has been very lucky, and her girl's night-in has been even cheaper than she planned, however, she has appropriated the bottles. What she needs to do is return to the store and pay for the additional bottles. She will have a guilt-free evening with the girls, her no doubt tell her she was mad to go back to the shop and pay. The next question is how long does the appropriation have to last? Well as soon as you have appropriated the property this element is complete. So pickpocket on the London Underground places his hand into a passenger's sports bag and upon removing the wallet drops it. This would be deemed appropriation despite the short period he had possession. Appropriation can even take place if the victim consents. However this generally involves some form of deception by the suspect. There are two stated cases which illustrate this well. R. V. Gomez is where the suspect convinced his employer to cash cheques which Gomez purported to be good. They were in fact stolen cheques and would not be honoured. R. V. Lawrence relates to a taxi driver who took more than the required fare from a tourist's wallet. The tourist had given Lawrence consent to take the fare, however he took more than the fare, and this additional element was deemed appropriation. As with all legislation there are exceptions to the rule. Appropriation will not have taken place if there has been a purchase for value, the person was acting in good faith, and the person was acting as the owner. The best example of this might be, I spend the next three years researching carbon fiber bikes. After some time I come to the conclusion that I will be lucky to find a decent one for less than £1,000. However one evening I am on Facebook and see one advertised for £900. I view the bike and the owner is in a wheelchair and tells me he has been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. He says that he is happy for me to have it for £750 as it is taking up space in the shed. This is acting in good faith and therefore a reasonable exception. However if I am on Facebook and see a similar bike advertised for £600. The owner wants to meet in Asda Car Park. When I speak to him he doesn't know much about the bike and simply says he bought it two years ago from Halfords. When asked for his best price he says that I can have a bike for £250, however I have to take it now. In this case the alarm bells should be ringing, and therefore I am not acting in good faith, and cannot rely on use of this exception. Now the biggie, property. There are three categories when we talk about property, and they are money, real, such as land and things forming part of the land, buildings, personal items such as televisions, cars etc things in action, these are things that are capable of being enforced such as trademarks, intangible properties such as gas, items that cannot be physically stolen such as trade secrets. So if you see the forthcoming exam paper on the lecturer's desk, if you take the paper off the desk you have committed theft as the paper is property. However if you memorize the questions you do not commit the offense of theft as the questions are not property. You could also photograph it with your smartphone. I am only saying... The contents of a bank account are property, but only if the account is in credit or within an approved overdraft limit. Personal data is not property and therefore cannot be stolen. There is no such thing in law as identity theft. For example, you cannot steal someone's national insurance number, however you could steal the card it's recorded on. Let's look at land. As a general rule land cannot be stolen. There are exceptions however. These are trustees or personal representatives can steal land by dealing with the land in breach of confidence. For example an executor selling the land for their own benefit. They do not have possession, this might be a person not in possession of the land, they can steal the land by severing it. For example Mr. Smith enters Mr. Jones' land and uproots and removes a rose bush. A tenant in possession can steal fixtures and structures. This could be a tenant removing a fireplace fixed to the wall of the premises they are renting. Let's talk about those pesky blackberries. It is not an offence of theft to pick any mushrooms, flowers, fruits or foliage growing wild on any land. The key elements to this is any land and growing wild. So you can pick blackberries from your neighbor's garden, He might not be happy and very unlikely to lend you those eggs you were after earlier however legally you can. You may be on holiday and you spot a beautiful cottage and compliment the owner on the beautiful daffodils in the garden. She tells you that she hasn't planted them and that they grow wild. At this you could legally start picking them. Again you would be very unpopular, but legally you would be in the clear. If you are business-minded you might decide to pick them all, and with Mother's Day approaching, sell them at your local car boot sale. This would be a bad idea as you are now picking them for a commercial purpose, and now the daffodils will be deemed property. Also do not be tempted to dig up the whole plant or bush as you would be severing the land. The intent at the time of picking is very important. So if you decided to pick berries to make jam at home with no intention to sell it. However after two years of jam sandwiches, you decide you need to change, and sell the remaining 100 jars at a boot sale. You do not commit an offence as your intention to sell was not present at the time of picking. So we have covered the plants. let's look at wild animals. You cannot steal a wild animal. There are exceptions however and they are, where an animal has been tamed, or where they have been kept in captivity, such as those at London Zoo or they have been reduced into possession, or are in the course of being reduced into possession. Possession has not been lost or abandoned. So if you're fishing and manage to land a beautiful trout, which you place in a keep net so you can finish it off and take it home for supper. Unknown to you that local youth is back again and takes your prized trout. He has committed theft as you had reduced the fish into your possession. You then go on to hook another fish and in the process of reeling the fish into the shore, The local youth reappears in a boat, he has no doubt stolen earlier and cuts your line and takes your fish into his boat and makes off. He again commits theft as you were in the process of reducing the fish into your possession. However if you leave your fishing area and the fish behind. If at that stage your local youth returns and takes the fish he does not commit an offense of theft, as by forgetting or abandoning the fish you return it to its wild state. Sorry, but things are about to turn a bit grim now as we are going to talk about bodies and corpses. A corpse is not property, however it will become property if it has been changed in some way, by either, amputation, dissection or preservation. So fluids taken from a body, are property and can therefore be stolen. For example donated blood or a specimen of urine. Belonging to another. Property belongs to the person who either has, a propriety interest in it, possession of it or control of it. So a car can be owned by three people when it is in for maintenance. The owner of the car, the garage who are carrying out the work, and the mechanic who is actually doing the work. Therefore, it is possible to steal your own car if the garage refuses to release it because it is in an unsafe condition. Obviously, the multiple ownership will only exist while the garage are undertaking the work. It is only necessary to prove that the property belonged to someone else other than the accused, but not the exact owner. A person can steal from their spouse or civil partner. However authority from the Director of Public Prosecutions must be obtained to do this. However if at the time the couple are separated by judicial decree or order, no authority is required. Intention to permanently deprive. There are three circumstances which may amount to a person having an intention to permanently deprive. That could be, treating the property as their own regardless of the owner's rights. This might be where someone takes an item belonging to someone else and treating or dealing with it as your own such as taking my friend's Land Rover to collect the kids from school and instead of going directly home. I take the car off road and do some 4x4 driving. I have borrowed the car beyond the scope of the agreement and treat the car as my own. This might also be borrowing a friend's season ticket to watch a match they are unable to attend but keep it for the whole season. This again is treating it the ticket as their own and beyond the scope of the agreement. Where the owner parts the property with a condition for its return. An example is where someone borrows a car for the week, however the suspect then takes out a logbook loan on the vehicle to raise cash. It does not matter whether they intend to repay the loan prior to its return. In regard to the obtaining property by mistake issue I mentioned earlier, there is another interesting factor which is worth noting. Your obligation to return the item or make good the payment only exists if a mistake or error is made by someone else. If the error is yours there is no requirement to make good the payment etc. Let's revisit the definition and sentencing again. A person is guilty of theft if he dishonestly appropriates property belonging to another, with the intention of permanently depriving the other of it, and thief and steal shall be construed accordingly. Theft under the Theft Act 1968 is a tribal either way offence, and as such can be heard at the Magistrates' or Crown Court. The maximum sentence is seven years imprisonment at the Crown Court or six months imprisonment and or a fine or both at the Magistrates' Court.